There it is. Derek, welcome to Hatchman. What is what is <laughs> happy hour with Hatchman? I gotta figure out where I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Awesome. Well, uh, I know we're streaming this everywhere, but dude, I'm super pumped to have you on here. So uh thank you again for coming. Cheers. Cheers. I'm still trying to catch my breath from the sip of your drink. <laughs> All right. So quick, quick background. Normally I make these cocktails like, you know, on live, but I found mm -hmm. like I was making two separate ones this time and I didn't want to have to do the awkward like, oh, let me talk in the microphone, make a drink. Like <laughs> it was the last few times it was a little awkward. So this time I'm like, I'm gonna make them prior, knock them out and we can just enjoy our cocktails for the, for the world to see. Yeah. So uh, real quick. Um, so as everyone knows, I am Braden Hatch with Loan Depot, I do mortgage loans. Um, insurance is an important part of the home loan process. Yes, it so is. Derek here actually cold called me out of the blue, what, about three, four months ago? Yeah, it would have been January. January. Yeah. So yeah, about five months ago. And uh, so yeah, Derek, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do. And, uh, and yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I'm uh, Derek Espinoza. I do insurance. Um, we do home, auto, personal umbrellas, basically everything under the sun. And um, we just make sure that the home people are purchasing through Braden uh, are properly insured and that they're not you know, paying too much for their insurance. So we're usually able for to sure. find people pretty Absolutely. good deals. And I'll give you a quick plug because no joke, like, first of all, customer service from this guy, like my team, we move, we move quite, we move fast. We do a lot of loans. And so when we need insurance quotes, normally we like them quick, you know, same day turnaround. This guy, like within an hour, 45 minutes or less, he's giving us that quote. And if it's going to be longer than that, he's emailing us right away saying, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. I promise I'll have it by this time. And you have never failed to deliver. So good job to you. And I don't even know if you have a team. Is it just you or I am a one man army, one man army. Point. So I am uh, trying to manage it all. I actually it's even more impressive than <laughs> this week uh, update, uh, bringing on an assistant. So yes, get even more efficient. Congratulations. Dude. Is the name of the game. Thank you, dude. That's great. And how long have you, have you had the insurance business? Uh, we started kind of conceptualizing this last August. Okay. We went live in November. So we're about seven, eight months into this thing. That's phenomenal, dude. Not even a year in and you're already having to grow the team due to, to your yes. success. Well, That's I got good. super lucky because I came from the startup world. Okay. So I'm used to moving fast. I'm used to managing yeah. projects and kind of dealing with chaos. So for me, it wasn't necessarily like I had never done this before. For sure. If you know the way broadly, you'll see it in all things. So love it, dude. No, I'm super excited because, yeah, I think, you know, you're going to have a lot of value for people that are in those startup things or maybe thinking about it. A lot of people mm -hmm. get stuck in their little rut and feel that they can't do anything else. Like, I know I felt like that for a long time working at a corporate bank. Like, I was like, I just got to climb the ladder. And yeah. then you get to that point where you're like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> and then you quit. And that's what happened to me. So it's really cool that you come from that startup background because mm -hmm. I, I think that's there's two types of people, right? You've got that entrepreneurial mindset and then you've got just the, the worker bee type stuff. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's definitely like the, the mindset that you have to build is completely different for both of those, right? Like right. you're saying when you are kind of going a traditional path, mm -hmm. you have your just everything is as it should be. When you switch over to entrepreneurism, all of a sudden, dude, everything's in chaos. And you have to be the calm eye of the storm <laughs> that just is navigating through all that. And right. uh, if you're able to do that and just keep moving forward, I mean, really, that's it at the end of the day. But it's yeah. the stress that comes along with it that just kind of eats people alive. It's true, man. No, it's so wild. So, uh, Derek, dude, I remember. So this, this guy straight up cold called me out of the blue. I, I don't even know how you got my number. Like, let's I don't even hear that part of the story. So, so tell, I, me, tell me how I, you even found yeah, me. This is this is great because I'm sure there's tons of people out there who are doing similar things. Yeah. And again, if you kind of figure it out broadly, it'll work for you. Okay. So um, I just knew for me personally, like, so I had a list of loan officers in the area. Okay. And so I was going on and pulling up, I was looking at LinkedIn profiles, Facebook profiles, their website, and just trying to find people that it's like, that's somebody who I could see myself working with. That's somebody okay. I feel like I could connect with. So I found you through my research. I was like, you know what? This guy seems pretty cool. I'll give him a call. Um, and, and my pitch wasn't really a pitch. It was just like, hey, I am starting this business right. brand new. Yeah. And you have an established business. Can you just kind of tell me how you got started? Right. And that was it. And then it, at the end, it was like, hey, if you have anything for me, I would be super appreciative, but it's right. definitely not expected. No, so. no, I remember. That. And that was a good approach because I'm, you know, I, 
I think as salesmen, we know when we're being pitched and we don't mm-hmm. like that. Like it's, it's a turnoff. <laughs> like you ever get those phone calls where they're just, somebody just won't shut the fuck up. They're just talking and talking and talking. And you're like, none of that gives like, me any value. Like I, I don't care. Like you have right. to let the receiving end talk. So you know where, what sort of value you can bring. Right. Right. And that's why I appreciate about you. Like you, you brought it up as, look, I'm not trying to sell you anything. Like I'm just getting started. I'd love to hear how you got started. Obviously I do insurance too. So, I mean, I'm not going to turn business away. So right. it was, I don't know that it was a casual approach, but it was, it was something that resonated with me. Like it, it yeah. it's something I was like, you know what, this, this guy seems cool. I'll, I'll well, give him I mean, a shot. I read a book um, after the fact and it kind of just reaffirmed the approach that I had, but it was talking about the difference between a tactician. So somebody who's very tactical and somebody yeah. who's more strategic okay. and a tactician is just like, I have to get deals. So I have to sell you on myself Right. versus the strategist would say, I'm playing a longer game. Let me build some rapport. Let me find out about you. Let's even see if we like each other before we try to do business together. Right. Um, and so that was my thing. And then the other thing that that approach does is, you know, you in that situation did a lot of the talking. I'm just listening and I'm seeing and identifying like, okay, communication's important. Timelines are important. Yeah. Those are things that I can fulfill on. Client yeah. education and experience is important. So by the end of it, you have the checklist for things that you need to do. And that also increases your business because you make 100 of those calls. Right. 80% of the loan officers say these are the three things that are most important. Mm-hmm. Well, now I know what to prioritize going forward. Dude, that's awesome. No, and I think it really is that simple. I think sometimes just, you know, whether you're in sales or marketing or wherever it is, um, honestly, just relationships in general. Sometimes if you just shut up and listen for a minute, because um, what is it? It's the, um, are you actually listening or are you waiting to respond? Yes. Right. <laughs> and no. that's... And I totally get that. Like you are truly listening when you're when you're talking with me. I can tell mm-hmm. that you're genuinely interested in what I have to say. And honestly, I do have a problem with I talk too much sometimes. I need to do a better job at listening. So it, it worked out well, man. <laughs> I uh, I heard a quote. I don't know where it's from, but it's you know God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you should listen and talk in that proportion. Ooh, I like and that. And I mean that's that's exactly right. My one of the the greatest assets I've had is my degrees in psychology. Right. And so when you're going through that training, I mean, the biggest thing is listening because you can't help anybody. You can't identify what's going on in someone's mind if you're not listening to them and trying to understand. So for me, you know, feel felt found. Yeah. I want to be seen and heard and understood. So you should listen more. That's awesome, dude. No, and it and it works. It really does. Like by listening, you you truly get to understand people and kind of you know figure it out what they what they like and don't like. And so uh, so yeah, man, it was super pumped. So yeah, I remember you called me. We did. Um, I was being kind of a dick, if I remember right. You may not. I didn't it that perceive way. it that way, but you had mentioned that the last time we talked. I was like, yeah, oh, that's I was funny. like, I was like, you know what? Because I've already got you know a couple insurance guys that I send business to, but I was like, hey, this is the third one. I was like, well, but I have one that can't handle manufactured homes, and I do a handful of manufactured. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'll just throw this guy the manu, and they're normally like low dollar, like tougher ones. So oh. I figured it was kind of like kind of being a dick move. But like you were so excited about it, you're like, yeah, I'll take those all day, absolutely. I was like, you know what? I like this guy so much that he's willing to take my shit. I'm gonna go ahead and give him everything. <laughs> well, isn't that a, a principle for success? I mean, whenever yeah. you're starting anything new, like I had this job where I worked. Yeah. It was a retail job, um, and there was a lot of us who were trying to like climb, and nobody wanted to mop at the end of the night. The store, sure, because it was a huge store. I was like, I'll mop. Yeah. Like I grew up mowing lawns. (laughs) (laughs) Like like, this this. is so easy. And putting in that hard work in the beginning is what ultimately led me to being successful in that job. So it's the same thing. It's like, you want to throw me the hardest deals? Please. Love it. Crush them. Love it. No. And I think that's such a good attitude to have because so many people like that easy road. Everyone's looking for the easy money, the, Mm. uh, the easy success. I am pretty sure that does not exist. I mean, there might be a few lucky people out there, but for the for the ninety nine percent, you gotta grind. You gotta do the shit. You gotta mop yes. the floor. You gotta yeah. <laughs> you yeah. gotta you gotta take the shit before you can really start to see the other things. And so I think that's a really important principle because because it is you you have to do that. I remember you know my first same thing getting started in the business. I did a ton of manufactured homes, which are very low dollar, mm-hmm. difficult. Like they're extremely difficult deals for a very little amount of money, but. Right. It, it allows you to get really skilled at what you do and then and then makes you appreciate those, you know, when you get a big deal that comes in, you're like, oh, and they're, honestly, they're sometimes easier. I'm like, man, like, why am I not working these all the time? But right, you right. have to work your way up, right? No, I mean, it's a, um, you know, I'm really big on character traits for success because mm-hmm. I don't think that we talk about that enough in our culture. 
and humility is a huge one. Yeah. And so the thing that I see that holds most people back is they think they're better than whatever the thing is. Right. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like you said, like that's an opportunity for you mm-hmm. to cultivate skills. So don't yeah. pass up on that. I think that's a really good attitude. Like it's like no one's better than anything, to be honest. Like we're mm-hmm. all human beings. Like I remember when we met for lunch the first time, like that was the vibe I got. Like this guy's yeah. just a good dude. Like and then and then the more we started talking, like the more we realized we have a lot in common. Like it was that was the craziest. It got a little I, weird. I had a feeling we were going to get along, but I didn't yeah. realize we were going to have so many similarities in our background. Right? So yeah, it was, was really cool. It was wild. So tell me a little bit about your background and kind of where you come from. I, I know my audience knows a lot about, you know, some of this, my growing yeah. up and things like that, but I'd love to hear more about your background and kind of where you, you know, how you got to where you're at today. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, I think the biggest thing for me is just like you, I grew up Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not go on a mission. So I stayed here because, um, my girlfriend at the time who is now my wife got pregnant. So I had my first kid, um, at 20. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and I young know dad. for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Young dad. But and for a lot of people that seems like, oh my gosh, that must've been super hard sure. or that can throw your life off track. But for me, it was the biggest motivator. And I attribute that to just having really good parents, right? Like for sure. I knew what that looked like. So I knew what I needed to do. Um, and that's kind of where my story started. I, at that time was working construction. I was doing uh, flood restoration actually. Oh, wow. So it's funny that I got into insurance because right? yeah. my first job out of high school was, you know, submitting claims to insurance. You still got those contacts. Those are probably good contacts to have for insurance. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. So uh, I did the flood restoration. Then I did the rebuild. So I've done drywall, baseboards, flooring, okay. installing countertops, awesome. um, cabinets, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I got back into school. Um, I actually graduated in 2020. So it took me a while, but that's because I did a kind of like an unconventional approach. I okay. was a pre-med student, but got a degree in psychology. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I graduated summa cum laude in psychology, but took all the coursework needed to go okay. to med school. ASU my, or? Yeah, ASU. Nice. All right. Me too. ASU. Go devils. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then through that time, I worked the whole time. So I did that construction job, left that, actually started working uh, at a dispensary. Okay. So I got into the cannabis industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, did that for quite a few years got kind of burnt out, jumped over and worked in the uh, dietetics field. So nutrition. Okay. Yeah. Doing customer service for online menus for nursing homes. Wow. Wouldn't recommend it. That was a job <laughs> where I literally, I would tell my wife, like I'd wake up and I'd be like, I hope the building burnt out. I just do not want to go to work today. I'm over this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like at the end of my rope and yeah. my dad went to a, uh, a cannabis convention because okay. he works for channel three. Okay. And he comes back and goes, Hey, I met this guy who you, you got a call. Yeah. He works for a company called Bake Bros. And I'm like, there's no way I'm working for a company called Bake Bros. <laughs> because me getting into cannabis wasn't because I enjoyed cannabis, although I do. It was because sure. I was a nerd and thought like the medical side was really cool. I got So you. working for a company called Bake Bros was like everything I stood against. Right, right. But I ended up meeting them and was like, holy cow, this is a company. Although the name is kind of tongue in cheek, they're trying to do the same thing. Okay. So I worked there for four years. I started off as a packager, worked all the way up to being on the executive team. Dude. Um, so that's the startup I was working for. That's impressive. I was a creative director and marketing director, um, spoke nationally, wrote for magazines. Yeah. Like just achieved a ton of success in that career. That's really cool. But got burnt out. It was the same thing. There was a ceiling, right? And I just wanted to do something that was unique to me. That was my business. And so I had this opportunity to start an insurance agency and was like, you know what? I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to do something new. Yeah. And, uh, that's how I got here. Good for you, man. That's that's an impressive story because I mean that I mean that jump from you know sometimes people <laughs> think of marketing and sales as opposites, right? Right. But I, I think there is more in common than than people realize. Like you, you in order to get the right sales, you have to be good at marketing. Or yes. the same thing in order to be yeah back and forth. Like well, the the way I always thought about it um, when I was going through my marketing training was marketing's job is to toss a softball so that the salespeople can crush it. Ooh, I like that. And analogy. so they're, they're interchangeable. It's like yin and yang, right? Like yeah. you need both. One's more of you a do. soft skill. One's more of a hard skill. Um, and so switching from that to this, you know, that's why it was easy for me on the marketing side to do lead generation. Yeah. I had to learn a lot of the sales stuff cause I never sure. did sales before. Okay. Um, so that's been a unique challenge for me. Um, but I mean, a lot of, again, it's the same skills, man. You just got to sure. connect to people. Yeah. You got to be, you know, forthright and honest. And it all works out. 
I love it, dude. No, I love it. Uh, we got your bio. I posted on the, you know, the description of the podcast here, but the, mm-hmm. the final one was just be a good human. Like that, that just resonates with me so much. Cause wow. I feel like there's so many people that get caught up in, you know, whatever their cause is. And, you know, and I get it, everyone, we all have our personalities and we all mm-hmm. have things we're passionate about, but at the end of the day, it really is just about being a good human, man. Like just, just be a good guy. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, simple, not easy, really right. Is. But it just, it takes effort. And I think that's the thing that like, most people kind of shirk, you know, mm-hmm. again, going back to this entitled thing. But, you know, for me, it's like this relentless pursuit of constantly refining yourself. For sure. Any, any mythology, any world religion, philosophy, et cetera. I mean, it's all saying the same thing. For sure, man. Be a good person. Absolutely. Put out less suffering in the world and bring about more positivity. If Absolutely. You can just do that. The world opens up to you. No, it's true. And and from the marketing standpoint, the ability to to put yourself out there, like, you know, right now we're in this digital world where it's just more and more, you know, COVID really, I feel like kickstarted it. It was like the, mm. what do they call those things at the hospital, the yeah, defibrillator oh, thingies. Yeah. <laughs> like we were already in the social world pretty big, but with COVID when everyone was stuck at home, like it really amplified it. We had to find ways like zoom meetings became a thing. And now they're just every day Um, working from home um, all. And so if you don't have that online digital presence, you're a nobody. (laughs) it's, it's, It's really that simple. And so, I'm going through this training program where we're, that's what we talk about, about having that digital presence. Cause like you said, if you, you researched me, if you Google my name, if you Google Braden Hatch or Hatchman or whatever it is, I think we lost video for a little bit. So sorry, crew. I think we're back. <laughs> But anyway, uh, technology, technology, right? We were just talking about it. So yeah, with, with that, I mean, you, you have to be, you have to have that presence. And so like, if you would have Googled me and nothing came up, would you have still have called me maybe? No, because there were, there were tons of people that I would look and I couldn't find them online or yeah. all I could find was something really small. Yeah. And it's like, ah, there's just, you know, next crazy. Okay. Yeah. That's what, good what's to know. What's really funny about that though. Yeah. Is that I, so I'm 29 this is the first year I've had a Facebook account. Really? Okay. Really. So I had one when I was like 14 to 17. Um, and I wouldn't count that because it was just typical right. high school and Facebook just got started. Oh, man. Um, and then I got off and I've been off social media the entire time. It wasn't until okay. this job that I was like, oh, man, I need to get back yeah. online. And then after talking to you, and it's funny because, you know, I grew massive social media accounts for the company I work for. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, It was just one of the things where at the time I was like, I'm not ready to build a personal brand. I'm still working on my skill set and stuff. You you were building the the Baked Bros brand. Yeah. 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 And uh, and for me, it's just I never found it interesting. I'm such a nerd. I just love reading. (laughs) And my wife and my kids make fun of me, although my kids now are readers. Love it. um, I love to read. So while people were looking on social media, I was reading, but I got to get online now so for sure you, i have more of an online presence than i ever have you have to have a little bit of that both man i didn't realize yeah. how young you were either i feel like we haven't talked about that so i'm 37 <laughs> i the only reason i ever got a facebook account was because uh it was when i got engaged and i was like oh i need to i have no idea where half my friends are now so like i i got oh, it just so just to invite people to the wedding really yeah and then obviously you know it's morphed into this whole you know part of my business and my personal yeah. brand and especially in the last year i feel like i've really tried to double down on just making my my presence known on social media, mm-hmm. but, but I want it to not be fake. Right. There, there, I feel like there's so many people out there that have this persona. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I hope people know mm-hmm. that when they're watching me, like, this is me, this is who I am. I'm not giving you bullshit. Like I like to have fun. I like to sit in my bar and drink and yeah. talk with people and, and do mortgage loans and connect with other good humans. Like these are the things that I love. Um, and I hope that comes across because there can be that, that social media filter sometimes where, you know, you might think someone is doing something else and then in real life they're completely different. So, yeah, well that, that for me was one of the biggest deterrents from getting on social media was I, I intuitively felt that when I would see things. Cause it's not like I haven't had, like I use my YouTube kind of like as a research tool, you know what I mean? But you, you start to see, uh, other like content creators and stuff or people will show you like, Hey, I really like this profile. Yeah. And the vibe I would get was like, that just doesn't resonate with me. There's sure. something kind of inauthentic about it. Yes. Um, and people can feel that. I feel like, like people oh, know yeah. when you're not being real, when there's some bullshit out there, like if you want to make $10 million, call me today. Like, 
come on. Well, absolutely. And so, <laughs> and so like the more I've gotten to know you and started watching your stuff, I was like, oh, this guy's doing it exactly right. Like you are doing what I and my team was doing at Bake Rose, which is like, let's just do the stuff that we want to do. Yeah. Let's make it real and authentic as possible. Let's make it goofy. Yeah. Let's make it weird. But at we, least it's us. Right. We are who we are. Right? We are who we are. So yeah. why try to hide it or try to please? I think that's the thing, right? Don't try to please everybody. Just be who you are and the right people will will be behind you. You'll find your your tribe or your crew or your whatever that is for you. Yeah. Like and attracts like. Absolutely. You're going to bring those things in. And, and if you're not doing that, you're going to attract the wrong type of people. Exactly. And eventually it's going to come to a place where it doesn't necessarily end well for, for you. For sure. Well, yeah, because then, like you said, then that's when burnout happens or you're you're trying to to do something that you're not really all into. And right. so it, no, nobody wants that. Like I, I did that for so many years. Um, I really tried to be a different person. And it was, you know, when, when you're younger, um, oh, totally. you know, you, you want success. Like I, I've always mm-hmm. been someone that's chased after the the dollar. And I think that that's the wrong way to go about things. Um, I did it for a long time and it was like, well, like I, I wasn't ever really happy. I was constantly just chasing that next position or the next promotion or like, it was always a game of like, Oh, um, if I get this, then I'll be happy. Right. None of that shit brings happiness. Like, well, no, no, it doesn't. it doesn't. What's, what's fascinating about that is you, you actually have so many things driving you in that direction. So, yeah. If you just think about it, like you dial the clock back a hundred thousand years, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing that, you know, biological males were responsible for and were like prioritized in terms of a female yeah. was resources and status. Like those are the two That's main fair. things. Yeah. Can you keep us protected in this community by your status? Mm-hmm. And can you, you know, ward off enemies and bring back resources? Right. Those are the two things. And so, you I mean, you see young guys yeah, and they're striving. It hasn't and changed much. Huh? To, no, it hasn't. Not at all. It's just the, the, the things that we look at. So, like, instead of being the leader of a clan or a tribe or, you know, a kingdom, um, now it's just a corporate ladder. For sure. Instead of, you know, bringing back hides and, you know, food from a hunt, it's the nice car, the yeah, big house. The big house, yeah. So, it's, it's all those same things that are, like, driving us. But I think, to your point, ultimately – that's especially in today, it's it's a losing strategy yeah. because those things like today are not grounded in reality. So you have to ground yourself in reality. Right. So for me, it goes back to our first point of like being a good person. Yep. And the rest will take care of itself. I agree. No, I agree, man. It's uh, it's and it's interesting that we have those, you know, similar backgrounds, like because because it's funny, like I remember we talked about this when we were first met, like because, yeah, I, I grew up Mormon, uh, obviously not Mormon anymore. You obviously, obviously, right? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, cheers to that, my man. <laughs> this is more fun. Uh, right. It is. But but I also hold nothing against it. And I also love my parents. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't hold anything against them. Like, I, I think they did their absolute best and they'd still do like, I absolutely love my family. Yeah. Um, we have such a great dynamic. Uh, they're still Mormon. I have two siblings that are one that's not. And we also get along because we're good people. Like we, right. we can appreciate each other's uh, difference of opinions. And um, I, I, I read a quote the other day that, that really just hit me. It was like, just, just because you don't agree with someone doesn't mean you have to hate them. It was something to that effect. And, and, Breach. I, <laughs> and, and I feel like we have a lot of that, you know, with this, you know, you've got, you know, the, the Democrat Republican, you've got, you know, Christian and atheist, like, you know, you've got opposites and then they fight, but it's like, mm-hmm. why don't you just sit down and have a discussion and you can, cause I can totally understand a lot of different people's point of views. I may not agree with it and I'm not going to do it, right? but I, I don't think that means I have to hate them or they hate me, but. You know, no, no, I, uh, unfortunately the world thinks differently. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a bit unfortunate. There's a, so Carl Jung, who's a, he was a psychiatrist, um, in like the 18 and 1900s, but he's like one of my biggest idols. Yeah. He has a quote, the, the line between heaven and hell cuts right through the heart of every man, Ooh, you know? Deep. And so, so we, we have this division within us yeah, and then we see it out in the world and we typically, you know, Hey, back up. Like, I don't like that. Right. Right. But we don't necessarily have to do that because we have more in common than we are different. And so I think you're exactly right. I mean, at the end of the day, like if someone's trying to be a good person, I really don't care what you believe in. If you're not hurting anybody else, you're not putting anybody at risk. Right. Believe in whatever you want, man. If you believe in aliens started humanity, if you believe it was God, if you believe it was evolution, I don't care. Right. As long as it makes you happy 
and you're able to be a good person right. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not doing, you know, horrible things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because exactly. there are, you know, the unfortunately there's bad shit that goes down. Like we just had this unfortunate situation with the school shooting in Texas, which was just awful. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a hard time understanding that type of stuff. But I, I think, you know, mental health, like coming from a psychology major, which yeah. by the way, man, how do you go from psychology to marketing to owning an insurance company? Like you've been all over yeah, my yeah. man. I've been all over. Um, the, the thread that is common through all of those is that they all involve human beings. I love it. So at the end of the day, that's the common thread. But for me, I, so I think having a kid early and also I had had some experiences early on in my life where I'd seen members of my family really struggle with mental health. Okay. And so I wanted to figure out a, how can we develop tools so that that doesn't happen again? For you sure. Know? Um, but the other thing was, I just realized like when you have kids, you're imprinting your mind, philosophy and psychology onto that child. So I better figure out my shit. Right. Whether you know it or not. As fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. To help Mm -hmm. this kid. Um, And so that's how I went down that track. But, you know, it's not a big leap to marketing where it's I have to understand the audience and how to connect with them. And it's the same thing in the sales process. When you're connecting with a client, I mean, it's in every sales book. Build rapport. Build Build rapport. rapport. Right. If you can't understand another person's opinion and worldview, you're not going to be able to build rapport. So that's kind of the, the common theme there. Yeah. No one is. It's, it's, um, influence, right? I feel like, you know, especially as parents and and in sales and, you know, being someone that's on social media, there's an influence piece to it that we don't always realize that we have. And I think being a parent makes you more cognizant of that than anything else. Like when you, when you see your kid do something tiny that you're like, fuck, that was me. (laughs) Oh, dude, that's the hard. I mean, if you're that crazy, yeah, that's the hardest part about being a parent, right? Is realizing like, like, oh, oh, that negative personality trait that I have, I just became really aware of because my kids started doing it. Right, right. And you want them to get all of the good things about you and none of the bad things, but they see all of it and there's no hiding it. Like, I mean, our yeah, kids you might be hiding it. it from yourself, but you right. can't hide it from you your kids. You can't kid. hide it from your kiddos. I was laughing. We were at a, we were at a restaurant not too long ago and my, my six-year-old daughter um, ordered a Sprite on the rocks. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was like, That's oh my God, I should probably... Drink a little less, <laughs> but it was just funny. Like it was just the most random thing. It was hilarious. The waitress was laughing oh, I'm hysterically. Sure she loved it. Like, Can I get a sprite on the rocks? I'm like, oh my god, that's called ice when it's not alcohol. My sweet daughter, <laughs> but it was amazing. pretty funny. So it's just little things like that. You just never know how you're influencing those that are around you. Oh, I uh, I had a similar experience when my daughter. She was probably about six, and um, she got her report card from school. Yeah, and it was like. Four, 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 three, four, four, four. So there's this one three, which yeah. is equivalent to like a B, right? Right. And she's in first grade. Oh my god. And she's crying. Oh my god. And I'm like, what? What's wrong? Like yeah. I'm trying to understand. And she's like, I just, I want it to be perfect. And I was like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> yep. And I had to talk to her like, if I've made you feel, yeah, like being perfect is realistic. Like I've failed, and I'm really sorry. Oh, that's your god. dad's own insecurities, kind of. Yeah. Just, projecting those gut checks man yeah so i i i've started to re-pattern how i talk yeah um and the messaging in the home and now it's all about effort if the effort's there the rest doesn't matter if you tried your best that's it but yeah it's weird when your kid crazy right mirrors to you what you're like oh well and it's so cool that you recognize it though because i do feel like there's a handful of people that either don't care or don't recognize it like Mm. and and don't try to change like i i feel like like if I ever stop learning or trying to be better, I mean, at that point, that's, that's what death is to me. Like if, yes. if I get to the point where I, I feel like I know it all or I've achieved everything, like you're never going to get to that point in my opinion. Like no. others may disagree with me, but I feel like life is a journey and we have to consistently and constantly be trying to improve ourselves others and educate ourselves. Like I've seen, you know, many situations where, and it's tough because I think as men, I don't know if it's an ego thing, but we don't like to be wrong. And when True. we are, <laughs> when we're shown that we are, we either can hold on to that or we can humble ourselves and and try to learn something new, but it's tough. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. What's really funny about what you just said is that this is an idea that goes back over 2000 years. Okay. And you're, you're just like recapitulating the argument that the Greeks were basically saying. Oh man. Okay. So, um, you know, Plato writes, um, these what are called dialogues. Okay. I'm super into Greek philosophy. So no, I'm, ex- I'm excited about this. because I know um, nothing about, but this Greek is the philosophy. cornerstone of Western civilization. So, um, what he talks about is the highest ideal mm-hmm. and an ideal is something that exists that you can imagine in your mind, but you'll never attain. 
Okay. So okay. that's the ideal. And that's kind of like the Christian idea of heaven, right? This perfected right. state. Yeah. Um, so it's okay. something you're always striving for, but you never actually achieve. And never that's attended. the whole point. Okay. Yeah. And so the, the highest ideal is that of learning. Philosophy, mm. which is philia sophia, the love of learning. It's the, the highest good that you can possibly go after. I like that. And it's just something intuitively that like you find successful people, they repeat the same thing. If I'm not learning, if I'm not growing, if I'm yeah. not developing, we use these words, um, then I am dead. And it's because my soul, the core essence right. of my being absolutely, is not being fed. Absolutely. Yeah. If you've ever been like, you know, depressed or had a day where you just don't feel like doing anything, like I, I think that's what it comes down to. And you have to sometimes, cause we all have those days. I mean, we, oh. we get those days where you wake up and you're like, I really don't want to fucking deal with today. But if you can push past it and if you can, like, I have found that it's the moments that I want to quit the most or the moments where I hate doing it, but I force myself to do it. That's when I see the most growth and I have the best experiences. Like, I don't know yes. how else to explain it. Like, um, like recently I've gone on this journey to get myself, you know, in better shape and get fit. Mm -hmm. And trust me, like I'm on 300 and something days in a row of doing this. And there's been a lot of days, especially days when I wake up hungover that I do not want to go to that gym and finish right. that workout. But I know that I like the results that come from it. And I've never, ever, ever felt bad after doing it. Dude, that's what I you tell always feel good. Time. It sucks before. I, I talk yeah. myself out of it. Like, I don't need to do it. It'll be fine. I'll do it later. I'll, I'll You come up with all these excuses, but then you're like, fuck it. I'll just do it. And then and then it works out. Yeah. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but would you say that it gets easier over time? So like the resistance you feel today is not as strong. It's still strong, but it's not as sure. strong as 300 days ago. Yeah. Is that, is that correct? Maybe not there? 300 days ago, but probably like, like maybe a month into this thing now, nah, maybe two months in. So two months in, like I've got it steady, but I haven't created it as a full habit yet. Mm -hmm. Those were some of the toughest times ever, but I still forced yeah. myself to do it. But to your point now it is easier on, even on days when I wake up and I'm like, I don't feel like doing it, but I know I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> like right, I, right. I, I know I am. Um, I didn't have that same thought process probably, you know, yeah. um, in the first few months of it, I'm like, am I really going to do this? But that's why it's important to surround yourself with good people because as individuals, we can only go so far. And, and I'm, I'm a fiercely independent person. Like I've never liked to accept help from anyone. I don't ever mm -hmm. ask for anything. Like that's just who I am. Right. I hate it, but I have found, and I, it was through a buddy who was actually on this podcast. His name is Alex. Um, he was somebody that really pushed me to try to rely on others a little bit more than I already was. Yeah. And it, that was really hard for me, but it helped because like, I, I still remember there was one day I, I was super hungover. <laughs> I guess I'm drinking so much, <laughs> but I was hungover sitting on my couch and I set this goal and I told him about my goal. And it was like, it was like halfway through the, not even halfway through the day. It was probably like three o'clock in the afternoon. I hadn't worked out yet. Mm -hmm. And I get a little text from him. He's like, you good, bro. You going to get that workout in today? I'm like, fuck <laughs> like here we go i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get it in and so and, and i did it but and that's that power of having um someone else like some it, it there's power in knowing that you can't always do things on your own sometimes and it's okay to ask for help yes um but for me that was always a really difficult thing i hate asking to this day i hate asking for help but sometimes we need that extra little push and and that's okay oh it, it's it's more than okay it's it's fundamental to who you are as yeah. a human being because again going back 100,000 years you're a tribe right you're a community mm -hmm. you cannot exist being apart and separate meant certain death for sure and so um that's a good way to think about it yeah the, History, the, the hard part is that you know our culture as it is today in america is very indiv individualistic right so we prize the individual self-made millionaires right right and, and that's not necessarily like a bad thing and that actually is an idea that goes back to christianity Really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so Christ is the redeemer. He is the individual, the uh, individual. And okay. so it's, it's a, it's a call to like personal sovereignty. So okay. I've transcended the natural man and have yeah. become, you know, I stand alone. Interesting. So yeah, it's this. I never thought about it that way. Oh but, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, it's sense. these, it's again, it's this tradition of philosophy that right. we are still operating in today, Yeah. but we don't necessarily see it. And right. so, so you going like, I can do this on my own. Yeah. It's the perfect extension of that. And I think, you know, what we have to do is it's not this or that it's this and that I need okay. to be an individual because that's important for resilience right. and for, you know, success. But I also have to realize that I'm, you know, it takes a village. 
dude. Deep, man. Good shit so far. <laughs> How you liking that drink? It's amazing. So yeah. I, I, we didn't get a chance to tell these people, but Braden made this specifically for me because I order <laughs> Arnold Palmer's everywhere I go. Yep. And so he created this drink, which I thought was super thoughtful. We could build rapport there and listen. So yeah, it's delicious. No, it is. Yeah. We, we've gone out to lunch a few times. Um, and this guy always orders an Arnold Palmer. And and I know you're not super big into the drinking scene yet. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to find a cocktail that, that kind of would fit your flavor profile. So this was a drink that I invented specifically for you. Um, it's, I call it a, uh, what did I call it? It was a, um, uh, a peach tea whiskey sour is basically mm. what it is. So I made a uh, simple syrup with um, with some black peach tea, loose leaf. Um, I let it seep in there for a couple hours. So it's this peach tea, simple syrup, super, super sweet. Um, but you mix that with um, some fresh lemon juice and a couple shots of whiskey, shake it up, and then there you go. And it's, how do you like it? It's, it's incredible. Right. It's not bad? It, it's going okay. down super okay. smooth. For a guy that, like I said, I can't hardly drink at all. It's fantastic. <laughs> so it, so I made him that one. But for me, like I'm not a huge whiskey sour guy because one, mm -hmm. they're too sweet and too sour. I'm, <laughs> I like just whiskey whiskey to be honest like i'm really weird but i have i just love the taste of straight up whiskey so i made an old-fashioned version of that except with an old fat an old-fashioned is typically um it's whiskey a little bit of simple syrup and some bitters mm. and so for this one i did um i did the whiskey still but then i used that peach tea um uh, simple syrup mm -hmm. and then i used citrus and lemon bitters and so this is my uh my arnold palmer uh old-fashioned it Which was, is a little it, bit stronger than yours. Yes, I uh, I could tell. I was choking before we got on the podcast. <laughs> a little bit of breathing fire, but but now, dude, like it's just yeah. I, I love to make cocktails. Like this is you know why I do it in here. It's I, I like to cook, and so like um, mm. I feel like this is that version of without having to get an entire messy kitchen, I can create uh, different ingredients that are fun for people. And yeah. to me, it's about the experience. Like I love making the cocktails, but I I love it when people enjoy them, and it's something that's right. for them. I'm like, you know what? Like I feel like he would like this, and so we we tested a few before. Before we did this, my, my wife loved that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I attest. And what, what's actually perfect about this is um, the alcohol acts as a social lubricant. I think we all intuitively know oh, that. Absolutely. So, it's perfect for a podcast because yeah. it lessens anxiety, which, you know, public speaking is like the number one fear of most people. For um, sure. And it allows you to connect with another person. So, no, I think this whole like setup you got here is super. Oh, thanks, man. Well, I appreciate it, dude. Um, are you, do you do a lot of stuff like this as far as like public speaking? Because um, you seem really comfortable. Like, this seems like this is nothing for you. So, so um, in currently, like in this role that I've been in, yeah. I have not just okay. because I haven't had enough tenure yet to kind of justify that. But sure. in my last job, I mean, I spoke at almost every single, um, there was, there's what's called the marijuana industry trade association. Okay. So I did an educational seminar every month there. Nice. Um, I used to travel around to dispensaries and do education. Nice. Um, I've spoken at two of the cannabis marketing association, uh, world conferences. Um, so yeah, I have a huge background in public speaking. I also had a podcast. We did a hundred episodes Dude, uh, for bake bros. That's um, legit. So Yeah. That makes sense then, because you seem really comfortable with this. So yeah, this I, isn't uh, my first rodeo. I love it, dude. I love it. I'm glad I got you on here. So, well, I want to talk a little bit more about the cannabis industry, because especially coming from a Mormon background, and it is something that's a little bit controversial still, because it's yeah, only legal absolutely. in a handful of states. Mm -hmm. It is legal now in Arizona, but it wasn't for a long time. So yeah. I'd love to talk about that a little bit more if you want, man. Oh, I'm I'm an open book. I dedicated like eight <laughs> years of my life. So uh, all right, and. and not just the business side, but more so the the medical neuroscience. And so whatever direction you want to go, I'm the okay. guy to talk to. Sounds good. Well, let's do it. Let's, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the benefits of marijuana. Cause mm -hmm. I, I feel like there are a lot and cause, cause again, like alcohol, right? Alcohol for the longest time, even here in the U S was, yeah. was banned. There was the prohibition. Mm -hmm. Um, and now it's just part of life. I feel like most people, you know, there's bars everywhere. It's not a taboo thing, but marijuana cannabis still kind of is like there, we have dispensaries and it's getting more normalized, but I feel like it's still one of those things where it's like, Oh, you, you do that? Like, so oh, yeah, there's definitely still a, a stigma there's still a little it. bit of a stigma, right? So mm -hmm. kind of like tattoos, right? Like tattoos, I feel like had a stigma for a really long time and now it's not that big of a deal. So yeah. do you, do you think, how long do you think it's going to take for the cannabis industry to get to that point where it's more normalized? That's a great question. Um, I would say once we have probably 10 years post national legalization. Okay. That for me is probably going to be the That's sweet a long spot. ways so, away. Right. So like you think about alcohol being uh, 
prohibition in the 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. It was right? 1929 yeah, or something. Mm-hmm. So, so it probably took about 10 years for that to fully wash itself out. That's like a generation, right? That's fair. Yeah. So that's how I kind of think about it. Like we need a decade to pass a full out legalization um, in order for that stigma to pass. And then the other thing is like a lot of the, I think the biggest hangup that cannabis has that, um, alcohol doesn't necessarily has is there's this entire culture like when you think of cannabis yeah. you don't think of us sure you think yeah. of what whatever you think of when i say the word pothead right that's what you think that's of, what you think right? Of, right you think and that can be different Chichi for anybody Chong, yeah you think pineapple express yeah the the beanie and the yeah the, yeah the reggae <laughs> the colors, burnout yeah. the burnout like hey man um and so i think once we get to a place where there's enough people in the culture who are productive members of society who have their shit together right who are like hey i'm a lawyer or i'm a whatever and i consume cannabis yeah eventually people stop caring because like i hear things like i think it was like dr oz or something who said recently like well we don't we want people to work we don't want them at home smoking marijuana and you wouldn't want your pilot high i'm like i wouldn't want my pilot on benadryl i wouldn't want them on xanax i wouldn't want them on prozac i wouldn't want them on damn near anything right yeah anything that messes with your mind i'm not sure i want my pilot correct under the influence <laughs> and that's true for most things right and yeah. so it's no different don't, with don't single it out like it's yeah like, like same thing like i feel like um because honestly like you know being in in cannabis and consuming alcohol like like there are very different but like, you're much more fun like if you are hammer drunk you, oh. you are unfunctional like you you can't drive a car you can't make good decisions but if you're really really stoned like you probably shouldn't but you're more functional than being stupid drunk in my opinion like so so we're gonna we're gonna go down oh yeah let's, let's do you it just got let's, my wheels turned. let's so, go um <laughs> i i spent a lot of time researching drugs okay and and the reason i did that in alcohol like anything you can think of pharmaceuticals because this is a huge topic and what you find when you look at the the data is a alcohol actually statistically speaking is the worst drug on the planet thank you like it's it, it it's really kind of dangerous is. it's yeah. dangerous yeah. um and it's it's more harmful to society so like the but way it's that, so widely accepted like it's fine like there's bars everywhere right so so the uh there's a group out of the uk at imperial college london which like the equivalent would be like you know, some of like Johns Hopkins University here in the US, like a huge medical institution. Okay. And Professor David Nutt, who's a neuroscientist and a psychiatrist, um, did this huge study where they looked at basically all um, a huge meta analysis of drug studies and what they found when measuring harm to the individual yeah. and harm to society. Alcohol was by far the most harmful. Interesting. Now, it wasn't the most to harmful. both the individual and society? Stacked. Really? So you took both of those, you stack them together. And that's what you find. And you can look up this study online. You can see the graphs. It's, it's all there. Um, you but, are a nerd. I love it. Oh, I, dude, I do all the same stuff. I love super. numbers. Um, numbers so, don't lie. <laughs> so uh, the, the harm to the individual is less than, I think the next worst was um, like methamphetamine and heroin. Jesus. So those are a little bit more harmful to the individual. Yeah. Um, but part of that is because they're illegal. Right. So there's a, there's a whole nother thing there. But the harm to the harm to society was just disproportionate because you think of alcohol, it increases aggression. It increases um, like if you look at violent crime, sexual assault, um, burglary, domestic violence, child abuse. A huge proportion of those, like 30 to 60 percent involves alcohol. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. And it's because what alcohol is doing, it's depressing that feeling of like, I know I shouldn't do this and. Yeah, but I don't care. But I don't care. Right. So it adds an and. It's true. So like yeah. under normal conditions, I wouldn't do this and I'm drunk. So yeah. I'm going to X, it's Y, the, Z. Uh, it's, it's the typical fuck it, right? Like, yeah, I'm drunk. Yeah, fuck throw it. a little fuck it in the system. That's <laughs> like, exactly That's right. exactly what it is. And other drugs oh typically don't do that. And so yeah. that's why in terms of harm to society it's it's much worse so when we're looking at it like that i mean i think you can make the case that cannabis is you know much less harmful because like the most harmful thing the the most the thing in harm's way is food for sure (laughs) for for cannabis i was gonna say have you ever met an angry person that's high i don't think that exists they're just (laughs) it's it's, well so again you can look in history and find cases of but it's uh, rare oh super rare but uh the word assassin actually comes from hash eaters really yes dude so it's a uh, your knowledge is so incredible i love how much history you know because i history is really important and there's a lot of people that don't care about it but you like you said if you look at patterns like there's Mm -hmm. very clear patterns throughout 
generations and thousands of years that we're still doing just with updated technology and updated world that we live in. So. Right. I mean, we've all heard this quote. Um, it's by George Santayana, who is a philosopher, but he said, you know, those who fail to remember history are doomed to repeat it. Exactly. And it's the same thing. Like you hear people say things and it's like, like, these are the worst times ever. It's like, no, they're not. Right. Right now is great. It's a great time to be alive. Well, and so to, to put my little mortgage plug in here, um, mm. pe people have short memories too when it comes to history. Yes. So right now there's all this talk of a recession coming. There's mm -hmm. all this talk that it's coming. And so for people in our generation, well, you're like a generation younger than me, <laughs> slightly, um, 37, 29, man. Anyway. When you think recession, you think of the most recent one, which was the housing crash. Right. So when people hear on the news that a recession is coming, their immediate thought is a housing crash is coming. Whereas that's not the case because that was one situation out of the past. I think it was there's been a total of like six recessions in the past four decades. Mm -hmm. One of them had a housing bubble and crisis. The rest right. did not. In fact, on all the other recessions, housing was the strongest driver in the economy during that mm. time frame. But again, if people don't study that and you don't know that about history, you're just going to think of the most recent one, which was, oh, shit, we have a recession coming, so my home prices are going to come down. Whereas that's not the case. Right? The, the situation we're in right now is not the situation we were in in 2008. No. Home, home values, and this is what I try to tell people, it really comes down to the very simple supply and demand. That, that is the number one economic driver of anything. You name it. I mean, whether it's yes. alcohol, houses, um, you, cars. I mean, supply Everything. versus demand. Mm -hmm. That is economics 101, <laughs> straight up. So right now, what do we have? We have a lot of people that want to buy houses. There's a little bit less now because, because some people got priced out because interest mm -hmm. rates are too high. Down payment assistance went away. So we have a little bit less buyers, but it hasn't flipped. And until right. we get to that point where there are more houses available and less buyers, mm -hmm. that is going to be the one and only thing that will drive home prices down. Right. So here's what's going to happen. We're, we have a, a few less buyers, but we still have not enough homes, nowhere near enough homes on market to it's meet like that demand. It's ridiculous when you look at it's, it, right? Oh, it's insane. If you look at the numbers, like I said, I, <laughs> this is where I nerd out because yeah, I love please. these types of numbers. So if you look at like 2016 to the amount of homes that were on market, to the pending sales, to the buyer demand, it was like there was still a massive demand back then. Mm -hmm. And people didn't see that as a bubble. But if you look at it now, it's worse. It's way worse. Like we have, oh, yeah. we have way, way, like I want to say half the amount of houses on market that were available in 2016 and almost double the buyers. Right. Like, and we're, again, we're still slowing it down. So I don't think we're going to see as rapid as a progression for home values that we've seen in the last couple of mm -hmm. years. Cause the last couple of years were kind of an anomaly. We had COVID, we right. had a lot of other factors that, that played into it, but overall, we still have, I mean, trust me, I have a shit ton of people wanting to buy houses right now and just can't find anything. Either one, because mm -hmm. it's not in their budget, or two, it's just not available. Right. And until that changes, we're not going to see, we're not going to see any flip in that. So yes, uh, there is a recession coming, which means we're going to see some economic downturn, mm -hmm. but it's not going to be in the housing market. No, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a different set of factors that drove the 2008 crash than are driving this one. So in 2008, it was a lot of homes being uh, or people getting loans for homes that they absolutely could not afford because people were getting really squirrely with how they were dishing those out. Correct. Versus now there's a lot more safeguards in place and people aren't able to do that same thing. Is that Correct. accurate? That is accurate. So I wasn't around during, I didn't, I wasn't in mortgage during that time frame. That was back when I worked for a bank. I remember when we got bailed out, I worked for the, one of the big banks, <laughs> Wells Fargo. Um, and again, so in, in 08, I mean, this was, I was, shit, I was in my early twenties. So I was still kind of, you know, figuring stuff mm -hmm. out, but, but I remember I bought a house right after the, the big crash and, and the general idea, and, and not a lot of people were buying houses back then because everyone was scared. Right. And they were at rock bottom prices. Mm -hmm. Like I, I bought, I paid 160 grand for a 2,200 square foot, four bedroom house when I was, <laughs> yeah, I was 23 years old and everyone told me I was an idiot. They said, you're never going to see a return on that. It's not going to earn any value for like at least five years. You might actually lose value. And I was like, that's fine. Like I know in the long term, home ownership makes sense. And so I still bought it. And guess what? For the next four years, 
it didn't earn any equity. Mm -hmm. It wasn't worth any more. But guess what? I had a place to live because I had to, I, you, you got to live somewhere, right? Most people yeah, live you're either renting somewhere. or paying a mortgage. So you're, <laughs> you're doing right. one or the other. You're one or the other. So my money was going towards a principal balance. Of, so mm -hmm. I wasn't losing any money. Whereas when you pay rent, you're losing all that money. It's, right. it's going to your landlord. Mm -hmm. So I was in. Initially, I had this idea where I was going to rent the rooms out to some other people, but mm -hmm. I ended up meeting my wife. And so <laughs> that idea went out the wayside, which was fine. It all worked out. I love my wife. Yeah. I just didn't get to make the money I'd planned on making in my <laughs> younger years, which is okay. Um, but um, same thing. I didn't see really any return in that home for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And I knew that going into it. And it was just funny how many naysayers, even back then, that were just like, well, and I think. Um, I remember my interest rate was six and a half percent. It was six and a half percent. And I was thinking, Ooh, I got a really good deal on this. Like that's a solid deal. And it's funny because I quote like 5.6 today and people are like, get the fuck out of here. Like I'm never going to buy a house at that interest rate. That's ridiculous. Guys, like you got to stop letting the media and mm -hmm. everyone tell you what is, what's actually happening and look at the data and the facts because those yeah. don't lie. Like I, I ended up selling that house for a massive profit because I ended up staying there for 10 years. Mm -hmm. It was a long time. I didn't plan to be there that long, but better than renting. If I'd have rented for 10 years, that would have been a lot of money out the door. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You, you have to look at, you, you have to ignore the noise sometimes and just look at what the right thing to do and just use your common sense head. So. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, one of the, the biggest things you're kind of touching on is when you lead with emotion. Yes. Which is what the media, like all they do is try to r tap into your emotion because that's the biggest driver of your decision because it's the core of who you are. Like as soon as your prefrontal cortex goes offline, which is what brings forth reason and your mm -hmm. ability to think, you're operating in a state of emotion. And the easiest way to do that is to talk about negativity. Correct. Just doom and gloom, rising inflation, interest rates. It's like people love guys, fear. Yeah. People have been on this planet for a long time. Mm -hmm. Your interest rate, your whatever is not going to ruin your life. Like you're still a person. Well, and if you take a step back and you think about it and you, you think about the media's job, the media's job is to get more viewers. Right. And it, how are you going to get more viewers by having something that's interesting? And what's more interesting than fear? Nothing. It's the first thing that blows up. Did you know it takes four positives to offset one negative? I did not know that. Yeah. And just because we have this natural negativity bias because yeah. early humans, if we went to the same watering hole and you got eaten by a bear, I'm really going to remember that because <laughs> I never want to get eaten by a bear. Correct. If we go and go to the same thing and nothing happens, well, like my brain's not going to remember that because right. who gives a fuck? Exactly. I yeah. need to remember the negative thing so day. I don't die. <laughs> so it's the same thing. The media it's goes, true. hey, this happened. And you're like, oh my gosh. Yep. This happened in a part of the country that I don't even know existed until today, but right. I'm really concerned about it. Did you watch when um, Zuckerberg went had to go to the Supreme Court and talk about all that stuff? Did, did you watch I those trials? I don't watch the news at all. So, no. <laughs> so, I, I watched a few pieces of it, but my favorite quote from Zuckerberg, like, it was some stupid senator that was asking him about, like, why they do the things that they do, and he's like, we're a company and we sell ads. So we're going to do what people want. <laughs> like yeah. like yeah. it's, it's that simple. And if you think about the media and that same, uh, the same idea, it's like they're selling themselves to get more viewership. Of course, they're going to talk about the scariest possible things, whether they're true or not. That's why you don't need a like conspiracy of this like evil entity. That's trying yes. to, it's like, no dude, it's just as simple as capitalism. That's it. <laughs> it's it. Like what's going to put more money in my pocket, right. negativity, Guys, we need more negative stuff on yep, the TV. Yep, That's let's, you can't let's talk them. about it. That's right. what the system is built on. If it was built on something else, we would be doing something else. But no, if we want eyeballs, yeah, negativity is the fastest way to get there. And it's sad that that's the case. It's because super sad. But but it is, like you said, that that's what we remember and you resonate with that stuff because I don't know if it comes down to that survival instinct mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but fear resonates with us more than positivity. Fear says pay attention. Yeah. As soon and and. Oh, man, this goes back to like neuroscience. Like the way you learn is through failing and bad things happening right. because then you go, Oh, I don't want to do that. So that's what they're tapping into. And, and what's really, you know what? My eight year old actually nailed this right on the head. Yeah. My wife was like, Oh my gosh, so-and-so's house got broken into. It feels like everyone's house is getting broken into. We really need to think about like this, that, and the other thing. And my daughter's like, well, how many houses don't get broken into every day? I love that. Exactly. Yes. What's the statistical likelihood that this thing's going to happen? Cause you might spend all this time and energy protecting your kids oh, from going outside because so you think they're going to get abducted. Yeah. Because you've heard a couple stories about it. But when you look at the data, 
it's like less than 1%. No, absolutely. I talked so about this. Is it worth the opportunity cost of not allowing your kid outside? No, for sure. Probably yeah. not. No, and that is like, people don't look at those numbers. Like mm-hmm. um, I did a video about this recently. I don't even think I've posted it yet, <laughs> but um, it talked about um, the, the rising interest rates. So everyone's mm. freaking out that we're not at two and 3% anymore. But what are we not talking about? If you're paying rent, guess what percentage you're paying? 100% interest, <laughs> 100% because you'll never see a dime of that money right. back to yourself. So yeah, 6% sucks, but 94% of your money is going towards something you own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas interest, if you're, if you're renting something, 100% of something is going That's towards interest. Point. You don't think about that. No. And no. so, because again, people just think, oh shit, higher interest rates, I got to pay more, which it is. I, I'll be the first to admit yeah. it's life is more expensive right now. Mm-hmm. but you can either be upset about it or find ways to make more money and make it work and, and find something that works for your situation and not let the media and everyone else dictate how you're living your life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that one of the things that um, is kind of unfortunate is like the, the entrepreneur world yeah. gives education this really bad rap because people get degrees that they never use, right. which is not a good thing. But one of the things, if you do education right, whether it's high school, junior high, whatever it is, yeah. is you can develop a certain set of critical thinking skills that will allow you to navigate the world again through this place of reason rather right. than emotion and just being kind of thrown with the wind like, oh, I heard right. this headline, so I, I'm going to go in this direction. It's right. Like, slow down. Yep. Look at all the available data mm-hmm. and then make an informed decision. 100%. Now, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. Like You, you have to look at all of the equation. If you only have half of the data, you can't solve the equation. So yeah. you, you well, need everything. To circle it back and close the loop, when we're talking about cannabis, that's exactly what happened in this country. So right. cannabis was actually something that fueled this country. Like there was a time where hemp was a major driver of our economy. We made tons of materials out of hemp. Um, and it wasn't until the 1930s when you started to have um, Mexican immigrants coming to this country who, and actually Mormons, this is the craziest thing. Oh man, here we go. So you know how they used to do missions in Mexico and they have have, like a huge Mormon community. So my last name hatch, there's actually a big hatch Mormon community in Mexico. So maybe you guys were responsible for this, but they came back to Salt Lake smoking marijuana. Okay. And Utah was like, Oh no, this is not okay. (laughs) And so they were one of the first States to outlaw it. Really? And then more as more Mexican migrants came into this country yeah. um, and started taking on, you know, different jobs, they would relax at the end of the day and they would smoke marijuana. Yeah. Well, the powers that be were like, dude, we are not into this. Like, we got to get rid of these Mexicans. How can we do that? You it's know what? Awful. We could totally make marijuana legal and that would make it really easy. So you have these false news stories of like. So we have Mexican Utah to blame high. for all of this. I didn't say it. <laughs> Um, but like Mexican man slays an entire town yeah. high on marijuana, oh my which God. there was no, there was no backing for. Right. So it was this way of instilling fear in a population. There it is. Excluding the people that they didn't want um, and making this product illegal so right. that they could advance political moves. And the same thing happened in the seventies with Richard Nixon and the war on drugs. Yeah. And you look at the drugs that were listed as schedule one, mm-hmm. they were the drugs that hippies and um, minorities were consuming at the time. That's Psychedelics, awful. cannabis, and yeah. cocaine. Bam. Done. Oh, man. We'll make those illegal because I can't limit your right to vote. Right. But I can make the drugs that you choose to partake in illegal. And then once you're arrested, you lose your right to vote. Oh, my God, dude. So, yeah. So w- w- so this emotional tie to these things is not grounded in science. There's actually a great book. Yeah. Um, it's called High Price by Dr. Carl Hart. Okay. He is a tenured professor at Columbia University. He served in the military, got out of the military, got his PhD in neuroscience. Okay. He's what's called a neuropsychopharmacologist. Okay. And he wanted to make the definitive case that drugs were bad. That was his whole mission just because all... he grew up in Miami during the crack epidemic and watched okay. it just obliterate his community. Sure. As he started to do research, he was like, oh my gosh, drugs aren't the problem. People are the problem. Right. Guns aren't the problem. People are the problem. Exactly. And so he he's you know set on this in crusade, and there's all this research out there. But yeah, so we have this emotional attachment to this thing. But again, it's it's emotional. It is. It's yeah. not based on reason. When you look yeah. at all the data available, it's it people are what's wrong, dude. And you said it. I mean, people is the, the that's the ultimate. Whether good, mm. bad, ugly, whatever it is, that's where it starts. Everything else is a tool. Everything else yes. is something that we have access to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, drugs by themselves don't 
they don't have a mind they you know guns don't have a mind like all of these things like i can use a hammer to hammer in a nail or i could use a hammer to bludgeon you to death exactly it's a hammer it, nothing changed other exactly. than the intent that i brought to the hammer right i think that was a it was an x-men movie i watched he was talking about um you know the, the gift that they had as as mutants and he was like well one way or the other he's like you have what you have you can use it for good or bad and he, he i think he used a pen as an example he's like i can use this pen to you know write down my thoughts and and write a book and things like that or i can use it to stab you in the eye like either way same pen it's a pen yeah and so dude that is such a but we forget that stuff. We, we oh. like to label things as good and bad because that's just what we do as human mm -hmm. beings. Sometimes we just label it as drugs. And I, I have this conversation, honestly, even with my wife, with marijuana, she's like, I'll, I'll always see it as a drug just because the government says it's legal now. doesn't mean it's not a drug. I'm just like, well, they were the ones that said it was a drug to begin with. So <laughs> the, they wrote that your, uh, your argument just collapsed on itself here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I understand it because, and here's what I'm sensitive to. I think we all at this point have had someone in our life who has had a really bad experience with drugs where it looks on the outside For like sure. that ruined their life. Right. But I would make the argument that something was wrong up here first. Right. And that it would have been either that drug or it would have been gambling or it would have been sex. It would have been something sure. work. You know, I mean, dude, there's plenty of examples of people who have worked themselves into ruining their families, ruining their Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. So it's more so a human condition rather than the thing. Right. But it's hard when you see that real visceral thing. No, it like, is. My brother got hooked on heroin and he was never the same. Absolutely. Like, I have a lot of sympathy for that. But again, when you kind of pull back and you look at it, that it's, person it's the would, individual. Have would have with something. Right. Well, you think about it. Like I feel like right now we're in this, especially being in the, in the U S we have this glorification on busting your ass day in, day out. And, mm -hmm. and I'm a, you know, I'm, Oh, I'm a victim of it. I'm same. I'm right there in it because I, I, I like to work. I'm not good when I'm idle. Mm -hmm. I need to be doing something all the time. Right. But it's gotten to the point where it's like that's encouraged. It's like you need to work your ass to death. You wake up before the sun goes up and you go to sleep before it goes down or you know way, way after it's gone down and you bust your ass day in, day out. And that's how you become successful. And there is some truth to that, but it's yes. like what – Success is different for everybody though. Mm. And and that is really over the last few years something that's opened my mind. It's like, well, what what is success? Right. What is, is it? Is it money in a bank account or right. is it the feeling I have inside about my life? Exactly. Because I would look at, you know, if, if you take two people, one is insanely wealthy, but they have a terrible relationship with their kids and their wife. Right. And they have nothing outside of their job versus somebody who's making enough to pay their bills and they're just, you know, they're doing all right, but they have a great relationship with their kids mm -hmm. and they feel great inside. Yeah. I'll take that life. Absolutely. I'm sorry, but I will, because at the end of the day, like I don't get to take any of this shit with me. Exactly. Yeah. I you mean, know, sure. You get to take a anything nice car you. is dope. I'm not disagreeing with that. Right. Yeah. But it's not going to make me feel super great inside. Correct. If my relationship with my kids sucks. It's, it's not going to make it. It's, it's not going to create the happiness you think it will. Yeah. Like, I feel like happiness comes from so much further within, and this is going to get super deep, but like, go. but same thing, like we, it, it's more about material stuff and what the world thinks you need to do. Like if you're not happy with what you're doing mm -hmm. and, and that was me for the longest time working at the bank. Like I was like, I was just going through the motions. I was waking up, I was doing it. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, why am I even doing this? I fucking hate this. <laughs> like making good money. I was doing fine. But it, you have to find your passions. And for me, that's helping other people and, and seeing the success in others. Like I, you know, I, I like to be successful. I like to, you know, give, you know, things and material right. things and vacations to my family and my, and, mm -hmm. and myself. But, but that doesn't drive happiness. Like that's not the core of it. Like right. it's just, right. it's, and I'm with you, man. I think it's all about that human interaction. It's about creating, to, to me, it's about creating a positive influence on as many other people as you possibly can. A billionaire is somebody who positively impacts a billion people. Absolutely. That and, and, and if you don't think that person is going to make a billion dollars, you're wrong. Absolutely. Because they, they, they probably have produced enough of value in the world and, that that will come back to them. And what's funny is when you you take your when you take the focus off of the money and off of that and the bigger house and the better car mm -hmm. and you focus on the right things – that stuff kind of comes anyway. Yes. The law of <laughs> reciprocity, man. The more I give it's out, wild. it just comes right. back. But you have to be willing to give it without expecting anything in return. 
And so I was, I can't remember who I was talking to, but they were talking about like, like content that you put out on the internet, like, mm-hmm. like things like that. Like I'm giving away the secret to success. Like I, I will tell every loan officer exactly what they need to do in order to be successful. And I'm not going to charge you any money to do that. I'm just going to tell you how to do it. Because honestly, 99% of them are going to do it anyway because <laughs> right. oh. it's hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I heard that from someone else. They're like, I'll give you the blueprint because it's not like you're going to do it. But if you are, awesome. <laughs> like, there you go. And you're probably going to refer to the next person my way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, though. If you can get to that point where it's like, I don't really expect anything in return. I just I really, truly hope you I wish the best for you because you're a good person and I like mm-hmm. being around you. Those are the people I want to associate myself with. I, yes. I want to be around those that are trying not only to make themselves a better person, but make those around themselves a better person, but not expecting anything in return and not thinking that you're better than anyone because mm-hmm. we're all truly learning. Like I have so much to learn from so many people. That's why I love to interact with people of all facets of life because I learn something new every single time. And the right. second I don't, that's when, like I said, that's, that's when I'm dead. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I think there's this really interesting thing where, you know, the, the, I, how about this? The biggest lie we've been told mm-hmm. through advertising and marketing, which sorry, you know, I was a marketer, I've done <laughs> right? this, but is that this thing out here in the material world is going to make you feel a certain way inside. And it will, it will for a moment. But instead of outward in, we have to learn that it's inward out. For sure. You, you see so many examples of people who've achieved success and then they just were like, but I was empty inside. Right. Versus I see it a lot. The person who filled their own cup, aligned mm-hmm. themselves, and then went out and crushed it, that person's not going to burn out. They're bursting with energy and positivity. Absolutely, yeah, because they have a vision. Right. They're, they're, there's a, you, they're you purpose-driven. Can... The, the meaning right. is what's important in their Passion. life. Passion. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, you can absolutely see it. So, dude, this is good. I think we're pretty much right at an hour. So, uh, this, this was a good convo. I really appreciate you on the show, dude. This was super solid. Glad you enjoyed your your cocktail. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, let's uh, give you one last plug here. So Derek Espinoza with Goosehead Insurance for all your home insurance, car insurance. Do, do you do life? I'll, I'll let you give your commercial. <laughs> yeah, I mean we can handle just about everything: business insurance, uh, commercial properties, life insurance personal umbrellas everything under the sun if you need to be protected we got your back phenomenal what's the best way to get in touch with you derek uh the best way to get in touch with me would be on facebook just derek espinoza okay um and then if you just type in goosehead.com slash derek espinoza you'll be able to find me as well there we go all right hit him up guys he is really really good at what he does he cares a ton and just be a good human all right i think that's the end of our uh podcast here that's our our main message just Be a good human, guys. But thanks again for watching. This has been Happy Hour with Hatchman with uh, Derek Espinosa as well. So you guys enjoy the rest of your day.